right away. I see only two pixels back. on the screen. Take two for today. Hey. Really spontaneous today. Very spontaneous. Yes. Last time we uh, we talked. No, was seven way, minutes ago. Exactly. <laughs> but Welcome we didn't to... record it. Yeah, yeah, your channel didn't record. Um, I don't know why. A quick anyway. uh, summarization. Anyway, I anyway. said. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Anyway. Welcome back to the Artist Coaching Podcast with your host, Jopke, Ralph, and me, Joey. Welcome. Last time we discussed uh, how to get a collab with big artists and uh, Ralph uh, shared his idea on how how he dealt with demos that got sent in. Uh, we already talked about it, but let's just do it again, Ralph. Did yeah. you get any demos this week? Yeah, I did get some demos. Definitely. I actually got one before it aired, which said Collab Bro, but I didn't collab. I didn't like it. Okay. And Did that also happened. Yeah. I didn't respond. As you also said. But I I did listen. And I didn't like it enough. But I also explained we have to be really picky because our release schedule is pretty full. So it really has to be really, really, really good. And <clears throat> the chances are slim. Uh, that I would say yes, but you never know. Like, you really never know. And when we recorded seven minutes ago, you mentioned <laughs> Brooks. Can you share that yeah. story? Yeah, well, Jopke said uh, that usually you can uh, hear of the first few seconds of a demo, whether or not uh, you're dealing with a good um, a producer. producer. Yeah. And to be honest, when we started out working with Brooks, the first few seconds of his tracks, his, his mix was terrible, and um, but it, he really had a really good sense of uh, musicality, uh, way better than uh, I ever did. And uh, so uh, we listened uh, past the few uh, uh, early seconds and then came to the conclusion that the guy was legit and actually could do something really cool. But his sound was, yeah, terrible. And um, yeah, uh, he did really well, I must say. <laughs> well, did did you, were you guys the ones who made the first track with him, or was he already some sort of name? No, no, he you? was already signed at the Music Fabrique, where also uh, Showtech, uh, Showtech was signed. Yeah. And uh, I think he uh, spent a few times in the studio with Wouter uh, as well. And uh, but his manager, then we were talking about that before. He sent out demos to everybody and uh, also the one of Elmo and really spoke to me. He was doing some smart stuff uh, with producing in a bass note F and then switching it around uh, to C within the track, within the drop actually. And that, yeah, to me, that sounded really fresh. Yeah. Uh, but as mentioned before, the sound was, yeah, at that point, uh, really bad. So I had to, uh, yeah. It, do it all over, new kicks, new everything. Uh, we did uh, save some of the leads. And um, yeah, that was the first uh, collaboration. And later on, the dude evolved like crazy. And man, he made some big, big hits. And he yeah. really found his own sound also. Because later I, on, um... we also did Joyride, which for he made a, a demo also for Joyride, which was a little bit different. But also, again, those melodies insane but later on he, he did a release on future house music and that's where he really found his sound and then man he really sounds really tight and he's one of the best now 
what I uh, what I remember, I also received uh, demos at some point. I don't exactly know, but it must have been like 2014 or 15. From Brooks. Yeah, from Brooks. From his management. They were really doing a good job because I don't know anyone who didn't receive uh, his demos. Uh, but I don't know if they sent the same to everybody because I remember receiving tracks like really big roomy and they were they sounded pretty good. But I just it, I just didn't really feel um, that they were unique enough in a way. So I, I wasn't really, um, I, I just, rem I don't remember exactly, but I just remember not being blown away. Um, so I, I also think I didn't respond. Um, not, not to be rude, but just busy. That's also like a thing, that. eh? You can, could miss responding to the next Brooks or Always. whoever, the Always, next hard yeah. way. But I, I, I never feel like, um, oh, I missed an opportunity there. It's just like, hey, yeah, it's, it's what I did, and um, it, it's it's also like yes, yeah, sometimes you respond, sometimes you don't, but sometimes yeah. you don't feel something. I remember, uh, I think it was Cashmere with Secrets uh, that was sent round to a lot of producers who were uh, good with uh, good with spinning. Um, also, the demo sounded not good at all, but the melody was there, and spinning was already saying we love this melody. Maybe you can make something out of it. Uh, I ended up having no time or like trying something but it didn't work and then Golfing. like a few months later <laughs> it's cashmere and uh and tiesto so um tiesto picked up yeah on it hey and, they uh, never sent me that mail but i remember being at uh, cashmere studio in la and he had me listen to it and he said yeah this is probably gonna be my uh gonna be probably with tiesto I was like dude yeah insane yeah, yeah I, I received before uh tiesto then yeah I guess. But I, I remember like I'm not I'm not the best A and R. I'm not the best. I'm not No. I have a not. lot of hits as well, <laughs> big hits that I hear once and I'm like, I don't I'm okay with it. And then a few like Calvin Harris, almost all Calvin Harris songs I really like. The first time I was like, hmm, I don't know. And then a few months later I hear it somewhere and I'm like, What's this song? <laughs> oh, it's that song. Oh. Like, and then so I'm just, I just suck at I gotta say, yeah. I did make You're a few uh, misses in my uh, my days as well. Yes, we all have that. Sometimes you cannot just cannot hear it in something that's really uh, hype. But this yeah. is the thing. This is the thing. What I what I really like maybe is not prone to be a hit at all. You know. So maybe yes. Oh, that that secrets is like a really big hit, but I just didn't like it that much. And I have to say, the producer who worked on that, um, I don't know who ended up working, collaborating with Kashmir and Tiesto for that. Um, but I don't think it's just them two. But they did an amazing job on, yeah, on that track because it sounds really, really good. Still does, I think. It's so, so good. Yeah, yeah. So good, man. I have a few Epic. guesses from like uh, producers that I know that produce for other producers as well. But... I'm not gonna name names. It's probably what? all you can probably search all that. But I also heard a story today about a very big track. I'm not gonna name names again. Um, huge hit. I'm saying I'm, I'm talking like more than a billion streams on Spotify. And one of the producers only got ten thousand euros for it, uh, but no publishing, no master points. So he only got ten thousand euros on a track that made millions um but yeah i can't name names unfortunately but uh it happens and and it happens uh, yeah you, you got me curious 
Yeah, do you know how it happened? As in, is it just a matter of negotiating it's, wrong? Yes or? and no. It's like the the big boys, um, the big industry being a bit of bullies to, towards small-time producers. Um, so it's a small kind producer. of saying like, hey, if you don't want this deal, we can do this track. We can do 10 other tracks. We don't need that track. Yeah, um, They kind of play it like that. And then if you are a small-time producer or you just... I mean, 10,000 euros for a track you don't even know how it's going to perform is still very good money for a track. Yeah. So, yeah, you can see how someone then is like, oh, I kind of want publishing on it, but whatever, 10K in the bag. But then if that 10K could have been like 2 million, I mean, then you're a bit like... Yeah, but that's it always depends on... Because... Uh... We've been in quite some similar situations uh, in our uh, lifetime, and um, <laughs> you've missed a couple of millions. <laughs> no, the thing is, if you work on something that's already a track, let's say a remake, and you do your stuff, there's just not so much to divide, especially if it's like a track of a big name artist and uh, which is signed on a major label. Yeah, man, they're gonna squeeze you for them. It's just an extra to release it because they have to hit anyway. And so let's say there's like 5 or 10% of the total revenue to be shared, 10% being much then. And you do a million uh, streams, which is approximately $2 million to be shared of the total. Okay, what? you can do how many? How many did you say? Like, uh, I think if you get a billion streams, there's approximately around 2 million to be shared. If it's really? Spotify streams, yeah. Hmm. Think think so. I'm not sure. Uh, it could be more. two and a half million, something around that. That's, uh, oh, wow. that's, that's less than I thought, actually. Yeah, well, if you get a million streams, there's approximately like two and a half thousand dollars to be shared. Hmm. We're not rich people, you know? So yeah, let's say right. you get like a percentage point of the total that equals like twenty twenty five thousand uh, dollars, uh, but it then first has to get a billion streams on Spotify. So if yeah. you get the ten k up front, that's also but worth let's something. Say if your track has a billion plays on Spotify alone, it surely has hundreds of millions on Apple Music, on YouTube, um, not to mention the radio airplay. So it's there is like a total sum of... Definitely, but then, lot, yeah. then it depends on whether or not it's an existing track, you know. If it's total original, original, you would get the one, the one I know for the it and, and no points, then you're, uh, you have a really bad That's deal. True. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, but it's a dirty business. Uh, I mean, the deals of uh, the majors, and I don't know, it's only hearsay. Uh, yeah, apparently they get like, uh, they give around uh, 18% of total uh, revenue. Oh, wow. 18? Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. Hmm. Terrible. Yeah. How do you guys think about the, the, the current divide of money in this industry? If you look at labels, bookings. Yeah, the label bosses have way too much. I see yeah. them on jet skis. I see them parading around in the beats uh, in the major cities, getting uh, oatmeal lattes in uh, I don't know where. And I'm, and I'm just 
plowing here through are sounds in my studio. Are just the, that's just the final straw, you know? That's what? Just, that's her, the oatmeal, yeah, yeah. yeah. The oatmeal lattes, that really, that really yeah. gets Ralph. Like, that makes him furious. Get, a, get an Americano, man. Be a guy. <laughs> Be a man. Get a filter coffee, man. Yeah. Come on. Hmm. No, but is it really that bad as in... <clears throat> uh, it's well, around 60, 40, 65, is, 35. I, I think yeah. It's like the money is being made by uh, the big labels and there's people there who make a lot of money. They're not going to say, oh, I want to make less money. So it's kind of like it's this system is kind of in place now. It's really hard to change. And it's also, yeah, the labels are run like companies. <coughs> so it's all about making a profit. It's all about um, making less costs more profit so yeah it's kind of the way it just the hard thing is for you for them it's a numbers game the more they sign Mm -hmm. potential hits the more hits they will eventually have but for you it's not a numbers game for you it's also building an image a brand you want to express a certain vibe it's expression it's also art you know and um that kind of our Shit, my uh, is my mic still on? Yeah, yeah, yep. still on. You're still here. Our our drive to release music is way different than uh, the drive for a label to release our music. Of course, they're not a, are not as involved in what we do. For us, it's an expression that comes from within. For them, it's just another track. You cannot actually blame them. Also, what I but, what I think uh, what I think is weird now though is like. 20 years ago, uh, you needed a label because they knew how to distribute your music to get CDs, to get your CDs to stores, in the right stores, in the right spots. Now, all the infrastructure costs, well, a fraction of what it used to cost. Mm. And it's very much already in place. So it's like, it's more of a, you pay that much just because they're the big name that can get you there instead of you pay that much percentage of your track to them because you know it's they, it's a they bit, do it's know a bit their way like that because also the gatekeepers let's say all the, the streaming platforms they also look at what are you going to invest in your track how much money what are you going to pay to do your promo your all that stuff and that's the stuff they go like okay so you're willing to invest let's say 15k on this record well that's for us a drive to also give it some uh, shine you know and who knows together we can uh get people to stay on our platform to listen to your shit and uh that's so how it all uh, works um yeah it's really corporate and kind of yeah. uh, dislike it also but yeah on the other hand we all have to accept it um that's why the bigger you get the easier it gets i mean look at the big streaming names they will get playlists way easier than the 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 smaller ones but yeah they also had to uh, work their ways up. Do you have guys to be smart about it? Do you guys think it's lazy that because I kind of feel that way in a way, it's very lazy that the huge artists who already have huge numbers do those simple cheeky remakes of songs. And I kind of feel like uh, let's talk about David Guetta, whom I respect a lot uh, because like what he's done. But I, in a way, I'm like, dude, why? be lazy and choose a hit that has already a hit instead of like pushing boundaries trying new stuff out and i really like kind of like is blue uh with the which she did with baby rexha 
the interpolation. I really liked it. I think it was uh, pretty creative. But he did another one. Uh, I thought of the logical song. He did, lately. He did many. He did like and that last song. Year. Didn't he even have sub in there? I was like, what the fuck, dude? Did Which nobody one? even song? listen? The logical song. Yeah, with Kim Petras, I, I think. Oh, I have to sure, I can look it up. No problem. No problem. Now Kygo has as well. Um, um, yeah, wherever, like whatever. Film. You like it? Yeah, I do. I'm, I'm always like a bit disappointed. I would love to see, to be honest, original stuff. But it, it's maybe I also me like original just... stuff more. But we do a lot of uh, covers now as well, simply because of how the game has worked. Yeah, the logical song when we were young. Hmm. Damn, that thing didn't even have sop in there. I was like, amazed. Is that that but, old yeah. song from When We Were Young? Exactly. Yeah. Life was so yeah. wonderful. Hey, you know it. You know what? Uh, miracle. That's the one. Okay. But yeah, we also do a lot of covers uh, simply because for us, it's for everybody, it's hard to r- release an original and yeah, but it's, uh, it's, get that, some like, shine with why, it. But, that's but, why, especially those big artists, they could get away with yeah or maybe not but i think david Guetta doesn't need to stream that much he can push boundaries of the of dance music make something new you know well, he did with future rave he was pretty pushed the boundaries true, pretty much true, yeah true yeah true and, uh, yeah but that's why i, I mean like he i do respect but i just think like <laughs> and yeah but like yeah i don't know he's, it's he's, uh, also kaigo with that style. I'm, I'm not sure if he already was one but who? He's getting a kid. I thought I saw Get somewhere. Up. Yeah. Oh. And not buying one, but really becoming a father. But I'm not sure <laughs> if he already kid. was a father. He's getting yeah. a kid somewhere. I mean, I've, heard, um, I've heard he's worth like seven or eight hundred million. So um, I think yeah. he doesn't have to worry about the feeding but his I, kid. I, I get your point, Job, because sometimes I also feel like, oh man, if if I would have that kind of money or even like ten percent of it. I would just fuck it. I would do whatever I like. Yeah. I would make music. Probably nobody likes it except me. Maybe you too, guys. Hey, uh, friends. But, um, yeah, but on the other end, yeah, some of them are actually good uh, new covers. I like the one Tiesto did for Heidi Klum, uh, Sunglasses at Night. I think it's a really cool track. Heidi Klum also is also DJing these days. <laughs> yeah. No, she sings on it, uh, and it's a really cool track. I was really amazed. Uh, I heard it in a story, so uh, I asked, I like, that. what is this? And it sounds really fresh also with the women uh, vocal on it. It's an old uh, electronic song of Taiga. And what I also like is that the covers now are done with tracks uh of the like the early 2000s and that kind of uh stuff so yeah. i like the whenever wherever also of kaigo like okay let's and it's wherever yeah. whatever what a, yeah <laughs> whatever dude yeah. <laughs> something Just... like that but yeah. why could it be that almost no one uh wants to do originals i, I get the idea of it's it's like uh because the public doesn't want it yeah is that so? Because I know it's yeah. it's an easy shot, you know. It, it's an easy um, it's an easy win to create a bootleg or to create a, a whatever something familiar. I get it; it works. Less hard but... win. Easy win. Easy. Less yeah. hard win. So easy. Um, so easy. Like, <laughs> why is it that are we all just becoming too lazy or too scared? Because eventually, 
all the songs will dry up and we've bootlegged all the songs out there and someone needs to start making originals. No, but you've got to bend to what's out there also. And um, I remember watching uh, Entourage. Did you guys watch that series? Mm-hmm. And then he, he really was, he didn't want to do Aquaman 2 because it was uh, being uh, this and that. And what he never uh, grasped, Vince, that he had to do one for the public and one for himself. And mm-hmm. and kind of, uh, yeah, balance that, that stuff out. I mean, yes, the public wants cool covers. It's plain and simple to see. And when you look I, at TikTok, Instagram, when you do a cover, you post it, it gets immediately I don't, more I don't know. I think traction. if you listen to radio now, and sometimes I turn it on in the car, very shortly, there's always a cover song. I'm just curious. There's no like radio station, for example, out there trying new stuff. That's also a thing where we don't, maybe we just don't know if this, this is how I feel that we probably don't know if new stuff really works, but the old stuff definitely works. So that's why the big labels are like, they're not playing it safe. Yeah, exactly. That's, and that's, I think that's a bit lazy. A bit boring. But there's still it's, some it's, some it's original safe, stuff like... uh, in there, and it also uh, works. But yeah, it's it's uh, more scarce. Yeah, yeah, but I agree yeah. with you on on that balance, right? So you can do bootlegs, but you should do originals as well. And I think that that always has been the case. You know, in back in my time, ten years ago, I was also doing bootlegs, but fifty or maybe seventy percent out of the time was original work. Yeah, I kind of balance, feel like balance is way more Yeah, I kind yeah, of feel yeah. like it's out of balance. Like no one no one's making originals anymore. Everyone's focusing on bootlegs because it's the easy way, you know, it's the way of the less, less friction. It's it's with um DJing as well. I, I always feel like yes, I like to place hits in my set because you know they're gonna sing along. It's amazing. But then I try to blend in new stuff stuff they don't know stuff i which if you time it right that's the beauty of djing they will be like whoa what's this and they will like it but i feel like even with djing it's way more of a please the crowd show no matter what instead of like hey try new stuff explore new also depends of the crowd and i think that's the the thing um yeah if you're in a vip club yeah you got to be more pleasing than really yeah uh, but you can still try work your it, your, 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 your unknown but, music in there no but you if know? you have the ravers in front of you they like the creativity with existing or original tracks but it's Could also it cool to do some cool stuff with existing music i sometimes listen to remakes of uh, i really liked the open sesame by Maddox. like wow that he could hear it, this in that you know Man, I really respect that. Could it have something to do with the fact that the world is not necessarily the most quiet place at this moment in time? There's a lot of stuff happening. So a lot of noise, a lot of movement. It's it's not really a a, a quiet place. Um, Could it be that we, as people prefer to listen to stuff that we know because there's already a lot of stuff out there that is new dude, and changing dude look at Jopke and look at me then repeat a really important question in life are we the ones to answer such a thing i don't no, know it's man. just i don't think we're equipped 
it's just a theory yeah, like if, if you think about the fact that the whole world is changing on a lot of aspects we don't have to get into uh, but thinking about it like th I, there must be a reason why all radio stations all playlists there all DJs must be a reason that I'm king of my castle that's actually make a, a remake. Good one. yeah it's already been done I'm gone time. guys yeah, it's already done <laughs> but yeah I, I just think I just think there has to be a correlation somewhere because it's not it's not a coincidence that we all started listening to um old older music or old old hits i don't know i mean uh, uh when it comes to fashion i see everybody wearing pants the size of uh, giants uh, yeah, but that's also sudden. going back to the 90s is the same kind yeah, of fashion yeah but why why don't we stick to the skinny jeans if we want stuff to stay the same yeah you stuck to just <laughs> Two skinny jeans, twenty Dude, years. I can't be ours to to uh, replace my whole uh, clothing uh, cabinet, man. I'm. <laughs> I don't see your. I, I don't see you in those nineties uh, jeans. I don't care if you buy them for me. I'll wear them. Yeah, I rock everything. It's no problem. <laughs> I'll rock anything. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I, I think... just think we need more big artists that venture out into the unknown uh, but maybe then again they are doing it and i don't see yeah. it because but there's a lot of cool stuff everywhere to see because i uh, recently uh dove in the top 50 of germany damn they have some cool tracks in there some also in german of course which i don't speak fluently but i can ambition 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 can problem and um no, but it's it's cool also to see there's a lot of gems in there. Don't forget, there's about 90,000 tracks uploaded every week to Spotify, of which probably 75,000. every day by now? I think it's crap. way more now. I don't care. I don't know. I don't even want to know. But in there, there's also some cool stuff. I can really recommend the top 50 of Germany. And I also uh, checked out the Dutch uh, top 50. And uh, there's this Mexican track on number two in Spotify, which has some cool guitar uh, stuff going on. Yeah, there's, I actually am amazed also by, but in dance, yeah, that's where the cover uh, sickness is really big. But how hmm. about big is dance now in the charts? It's not so uh, big. No. no. Especially like club tracks you won't hear on no. radio no, no, no. at all. Yeah, I do miss those times of like, um, I, I think it's still live dance department. I think it's still a thing, but it used to be really underground. Like yeah. every Saturday night, they just presented you the big underground hits. I hated it. They never played our music. It wasn't yeah. underground enough. That's because you guys never, never were underground, always commercial dogs, like always no. in for the money. It's such a bad way <laughs> to look at, the, at those things like that. <laughs> There's just different music. Yeah. Did you ever do like a set there? I did. No, never, never. Oh, okay. No. I once recorded liners at the studio when I had an interview. Like, oh, this sometimes you go to a radio station and you record liners. Like, hey, this is Jay Hardway and you're listening to. And I remember they asked me to do that. The kind of a just in case for if I was ever aired on dance department. But I'm not sure if I, <laughs> if they've ever played my tracks. <laughs> so that's quite like. Quite funny, but um, I always hated it. They always played the same uh, stuff, but it's a cool uh <coughs> show, though. And you also had Studio but... Brussel, 
Uh, oh, the Steel was really cool, but that's yeah. really an alternative. Yeah. yeah, they had like uh, drum and bass and stuff. They also had really, um, I really discovered some nice tracks in there. Like every Saturday night, they just played. Uh... But you know what I like? There's these, the ones that kind of preach being underground and the ones that are really underground. What mm -hmm. I kind of dislike sometimes is that you have these uh, also blogs or radio uh, program or whatever. And they then always like when, let's say, the Swedish House Mafia releases something. Hey, they do a lot of cool stuff, but they also sometimes release shit. We all do. They also. But then wow. they always big, big, like... Uh, big statement right there. They always like what they do. And I, I'm like, dude, no, they don't hit the bullseye each time. They, and what I like about the Let's studio Brussels of this world, they can be critical of everyone, you know? And that's what I like. That's what it's all about. Exactly. And um, I don't like those, uh, those... It's also a lot of blogs are really uh, into that that they're never critical of their favorite artist, you know, and yeah. sometimes they flame that... guys for having ghost producers. And then I'm like, dude, your favorite artist, artist is the, yeah. the same. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I why think... would you care even if they do it like that? Fuck it. But I think uh... I really miss that part of the, <clears throat> let's say the dance culture. I really feel like that was way more of a thing. Also, I remember doing live shows that were then, broadcast somewhere and you would get like all these comments on it and people were like brutally honest they either loved it or sometimes they were like oh they didn't love it in my case they always loved it <laughs> i don't know why. just like now i i agree with you ralph <laughs> now you see a lot of those kind of blogs and stuff and radio stations in general they 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 always do it and they do like their favorite artists can do nothing wrong and they always mention the new releases and they're never critical and like oh this set was amazing and like the set's always amazing and yeah i miss mm. that type of like crowd as well that's just a bit like a critical um, crowd yeah just like that that has an opinion you know and has a yeah not just blindly follows an artist for yeah i don't know it's just that that's true sometimes like also uh, makes me laugh me. and um because I really like uh, the remake Metro of uh, Mao Pei and Kevin De Vries, but some people don't know it's a remake, and then they're gonna hate on remakes, but they love Metro. Yeah, and yeah, yeah that's also kind of funny uh, sometimes. Uh, but yeah, for me, it's also who cares if it's good, uh, if it sounds good, it is good, and I don't really care if it's then where it comes from or who made it or who didn't made it or how they made it. Just if if you like it, you like it. And if you don't like it, it can be your favorite artist. And I, I also understand that they do have, like always have the benefit of the doubt, but you can be critical of them. True. Even Fred again might miss sometimes, you know. He doesn't do it lately because... Statements. Swedish House Mafia, Fred again, being yeah, burned down to the ground. <laughs> no, it's actually a sign that I really have high respect for what they can do you know <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. but well, I, even I they like can with, miss i think with swedish house mafia i feel like um since they quit i i don't ha haven't heard the same like production level amazing like i hear stuff by them and i'm just sometimes like blown away like how it sounds in my studio or car 
No, I but get you. I don't. I miss. I miss this kind of like the vibe of like, hey, this is just the, the good idea, and it has that X factor. Yes, a lot mm. of their tracks are really good, but sometimes it just lacks that magic. And that I think old that's, soul that they used to have. Yeah. But it's also really hard yeah. because they quit. You lose that momentum. Yeah. Eh? You kind that, of forget what it yeah. was all mm-hmm. about. And then you have to restart. There's a whole new landscape. You try to fit in. And that's yeah. also maybe a wrong thing to do, trying to fit in. I don't know if they really do it. But but then and then like and then you say Fred again. That's so fresh. Man, how the fuck does he come up with it? And uh, yeah. And Very, uh, that's the new, that's the new Swedish house mafia. Yeah. Yeah. Another bold statement. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, hey. I, um, what I never really got with, uh, same, Swedish house mafia is I went to their, uh, ending, uh, concert in, uh, Stockholm, which was like, I don't know, four years ago. They didn't stop, did they? <laughs> like, they kept releasing songs. They still do shows. At some point they stopped, and then it was X One Grosso for a while. Um, yeah, in between. Yeah, yeah. It was a yeah. bit longer ago. X One Grosso. I, I really liked X One Grosso. I really liked X One Grosso. Such a good concert. Yeah, it's really cool. Great good shows. Fun. Was just very well done marketing wise as well. Yeah. Um, but I never. But really I, got... I think Fred again. The difference with that and Swedish House Mafia is Swedish House Mafia came from the rave culture and kind of like blew up. Uh, there, I think, and then got to the big crowd. Fred again, I feel really came from kind of like internet TikTok fame, and then went into the like yeah. club scene, and then blew up there. Um, I'm not sure, but what it says also story. because I've been one, to one of his concerts, <laughs> and um, yeah, it's just funny to see the crowd there, um, and like hear the crowd say stupid shit like. We were walking down the stairs in the, the Ziggo Dome in um, in Holland, and we heard behind us some guy say, "Yeah, yeah, I really missed this uh, this boiler room vibe. Yeah, we just really needed the the boiler room vibe." In the Ziggo Dome, he only knows Fred again from the boiler room set. Probably hasn't seen any other thing, and then goes to the live show of Fred again, and <laughs> is surprised. This was just really funny, just like. Do you like, even know what you bought a like a uh, bit under undereducated crowd? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's Definitely. because it's 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 a it's it's a viral artist at this point. So people see the boiler yeah. room set because it went viral. That's what they expect. The same vibe, the same yep. menace in the in the crowd. The but same yeah. guy pushing stop. In yeah, the, in exactly. The like they they expect some sort of entertainment uh, in it as well. But I I think. That's not necessarily what you're going to get if you're going to no. visit Fred again. Again? Again. <laughs> again. Again and again and again. You've twice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, talking <laughs> about Fred, Fred again. 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 Uh, is he playing at Tomorrowland this year? I don't think so. Again. I don't think so. But... Talking about Tomorrowland. Talking about Tomorrowland, we have... <laughs> Two people who do play there this year, people. Hey, nice, nice. I, I don't nice. know where Jopke is for <laughs> yeah. me, but he might for be. Me, a, uh, you're all pointing to me right now, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Joey Suki, yeah, come back. Exactly. No, how um, when when do you guys play? 
one or two weekends. Sunday, the 21st of July. Which stage? It's the first weekend. Which stage? That's a really good question. Um, <coughs> Thanks. Because I don't exactly know. So um, keep an eye on my socials and you will find out. Mm, nice. I will. I got the name of the stage, but not the host. So I do know the name of the stage, but not the host. But I will update What's it. the name of the I, stage? I know, but... Hmm? Planaxis stage. <gasps> oh, nice. You're in I... for a treat, my boy. <laughs> and, and so how does that work? Because you get booked, but Main you... stage, right? Hmm? Yeah, yeah we do main stage, stage again. Yeah, you do main stage. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty Planaxis cool. Yeah, stage is the, is the main stage. That's the main stage, yeah. <laughs> and then you have the main stage, which is the second stage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but how does that work as in, in the booking process? Because you just get an offer through your agent, um, but you, like you have no idea why or why they booked you or whatever, or do they reach out to you personally? Um, it's about connections. It's about having a, a name be like good enough, known enough to play Tomorrowland in the first place, I guess, because they they represent something. They need a lineup that also represents that. So a certain quality threshold, let's say. Um, and then, yeah, there are so many artists of a good level. Um, they can't book everybody every year. So then it's just about, um, for the really big artists, let's say, the timing of their schedules, whether they have other tours, um, fee, and I think for an artist like myself, it's really about um, the connection of my management and my agents to Tomorrowland and how they negotiate and speak. And if my name comes up with releases or has been coming up with releases in the past year to show your relevance. Um, and then there does uh, come an offer or not. Um, I've been playing on Tomorrowland. The first time was in 2014. So it's really cool for me to 10 years later still be good enough for Tomorrowland. Um, and I've played a couple times and also a couple times I didn't. So then they, yeah, just you don't, I don't I'm an artist that doesn't always get that chance. So I'm really, uh, really excited to be a part of Tomorrowland yeah. again. Yeah, and it can, can depend on, on a lot of factors. Uh, I mean, uh, Tomorrowland is so big. Uh, imagine being a talent uh, scout for them. It's pretty hard also to fill out all, all those uh, stages with the best acts. And yeah, you can definitely easy overlook uh, somebody. Uh, for us, it was always, uh, we've been playing the Smash the House stage always because we release a lot of uh, music uh, over there and work a lot with them. Um, so that makes it easier to get noticed uh, also for other stages because uh, we work a lot with Dimi and Mike and if you play before or after them yeah there's a lot of people coming to see them yeah you're a bycatch you know and for us that's really uh, gives us a lot of benefit and this year uh, yeah they also reached out um, through our agent um, if we were available uh, to play the main stage also next to the Smash the House stage hmm. yeah chicken skin man it's really cool. And uh, of course, you're, um, there's some other uh, people they can choose from. Um, you don't really know why they they 
saw you fit for the stage at the, that time. We play from uh, 5.30 to 6.30. That's a good time as well. Yeah, it's a pretty good time. It's also, I think, the live stream already uh, starts out then. And, um, Which day? Um, that's the Friday, the second Friday. Mm. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, get you into overdrive. What are you going to play? New intro track, everything. So, uh, no, that's our main focus point towards uh, which we work and all the rest is is uh, trying to elevate uh, the set uh, time by time when Marlon plays uh, this weekend he plays London, he takes all the new stuff, comes back with feedback and then uh, we go into the studio, incorporate that and then works towards uh, work towards the summer and also uh, a main stage that's the hour you can showcase what you what you do for a lot of people so yeah better not fuck up yeah and the big question that a lot of people wonder always is do djs actually play live during Definitely. tomorrowland or is it all yeah. pre-recorded no no i really don't get all that pre-recorded yeah nonsense. the only thing i know why I, I know why this is a hype. It's because Deadmau5 said it in an interview. And for some oh, reason, if, De if Deadmau5 says something, first of all, it gets shared in many TikToks. Um, and always people believe him without question. Uh, there's something about him that people instantly believe him. Um, but he said like, yeah, for the big uh, festivals, it would surprise him if people play live. But that's because he is not involved with a lot of those festivals. Uh, he doesn't play all those festivals that much anymore. Um, so I I always think his comments are a bit mm. weird. Um, like we also talked yeah. about with Danik, uh, also especially the Dutch DJs, uh, Afrojack, Hardwell, uh, Danik himself. Um, a lot of those guys, they really are really good DJs. They made so much flying hours. I really don't know anybody who, who fakes a set at such a stage. I I think there's three types of DJing at big festivals or in general. One is pre-recorded. Uh, and then I don't think people press play once and then uh, let it play because that, that would be caught on every live stream in the world. I think it's the pre-recorded that you have decided already exactly which order of tracks you're going to play. I do think there's quite a lot of that going on on like uh, Ultra Miami Tomorrowland main stage. Uh, that's okay, example. right? Like just decide. Yeah, to be well, honest, to be honest okay. we practice our set also and it's, yeah. it comes down to to those you don't yeah. have to miss a cue point but if you do you can still have some outs, yeah. you know, but we actually know where the cue points are and yeah. we do know how our set must go and then there there is some wiggle room, but you kind of already know what what yeah. will yeah, work. Yeah, I think there. I think the second one is where you have like your tracks ready. You know, fifteen to twenty tracks or whatever, the how fast you mix depends a little bit. Is gonna fill out that hour or one and a half hour, uh, and you kind of know which tracks, but you don't know the order yet. I think that happens probably the most um, on main stages. And then there's the do it on the fly, and that's I think only for the some of the big ones. Maybe some of the um, DJs like um, Carl Cox or 
Um, but I think for when I would, if I would play main stage Tomorrowland, for example, I would probably have my tracks ready that I for sure want to play. Uh, kind of figure out an order or some transitions already. Start with what, and what I always do on most festivals is I know the first two or three tracks that I'm going to play. And from there, I kind of wing it. And sometimes I have a little folder of, I want to play these tracks. Mm. Um, and then you can kind of based on the energy. Um, but like, I think for Tomorrowland, you want to hit, you want certain songs to be played. You want, yeah. So you, you really kind of have to pre-plan your set at least. Mm. Yeah, it's really a showcase. The yeah. thing is, what you wiggle with is whether or not how, um, how the intensity goes. Sometimes you just feel, okay, they're ready for some more already. Let's skip a record or two and bring it up to the next pace a little bit sooner. Um, or sometimes you'll be like, mm, maybe we should take it down a notch and uh, leave it a little bit. Don't amp up the BPMs too much and then put in a record or two around 130 and then bam, 180. <laughs> I think for most artists, for most people who wonder about this topic is also like the, the pyro and the fireworks. They always wonder like, how is it possible that all the pyro goes off? Oh, you have fireworks. people for that, huh? Actually, yeah, it's, it's quite a lot of the time. If you look at our uh, Tomorrowland videos, it's me with the mic. Uh, and then you can see on the screen, you can see the waveforms of the tracks. That's mm -hmm. actually cool. I'll make a video of it next time. And uh, it can explain, oh, man, would be a good thing. We're going viral, people. No, but it's how you see it. You have a screen. You see all the waveforms. You see what uh, Marlon has in his uh, decks. And then you know when the intensity points are, where the drops are going to be. And then I talk to the guys, not like this, but I have the headphone up like I'm a gamer. I said, hey, dudes, uh, they're in the front of house. Hey, you get acquainted before. How are you doing? And uh, hey, can I get a big shot of pyro at, uh, at the upcoming drop? Yeah, boy, you can, then they say. And then... Oh, so you're the one who's arranging that. Yeah, and of course you don't have the. It's so such a stage you don't have your visuals uh, because that's all from Tomorrowland. But then also imagine you can also have your visual guy with you. Yeah, who can, yeah. I think I think people maybe underestimate how much uh, a lot of the visual artists and pyro artists are involved with all the music. Uh, I used to sometimes tour with a VJ who did my visuals um, live on screen. He just knew a lot of my tracks. So he knew when, oh, he's, he's mixing in. Uh, if, if you really are into the music, you can hear when someone's mixing in a certain record and not even see it on, on the screen at the front of the house. So like, that's also helping. And then he would uh, load those visuals for that song uh, and for the songs he then didn't know because I didn't always uh, play the same set, he would improvise. And because he's so good, he knows, oh, I feel something like this. Um, and I think people maybe underestimate that like the visual artists and the pyro artists, they're people who usually are very much involved with EDM. So they, if you say, hey, on the drop, we want this, they know when the drop will hit. Yeah, exactly. Um, there so are some yeah. moments, like we also played a festival and we did the last 15 minutes. And for that, we had to turn in 15 minutes of music because they had fireworks planned on there. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I think that might, might happen uh, more often. 
um, yeah, that's not ideal. It's not what you want, but I get it. Got to get yeah, have a little bit of show in there. And um, so it might be that the legend comes from there that there's like pre-recorded sets, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. Hey, 99%, cool. you can just say there's no pre-recorded sets. It's uh, yeah. big nonsense. Yeah. Let's end that myth right here. Yes. Okay, guys. Thank you so much. I, um, Aww. Aww. Yeah, it's just getting warm. already that time. Yeah, it's already Damn. 3 o'clock. I have to get going in a couple of minutes, but it's been a, it's been a pleasure. I think it's a valuable few topics for uh, for listeners. We've debunked some myths here. We've uh, yeah. made some bold statements. We've been there. We're done. <laughs> yeah. Pause for effect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Deep breath for effect. Um, for all the listeners, uh, if you still are not a part of the Artist Coaching Discord, make sure to join. Uh, we have bi-weekly Q&A sessions and you can connect with artists from all over the world. The link is in the description. Any other shameless plugs for you guys? Listen new to our new track around the world. <laughs> <laughs> new track, new songs. Okay, cool. Yeah. Check it now out. You have to be Spotify. there quickly or else you'll be like a loser who comes after the first million There's streams. There's a new concept for my new track and it's it runs out of place. It can only be played so many times on Spotify. It it instant deletes hey, whoa, itself. This is, oh, this is actually an idea. Instant instant deletes after a hundred thousand plays. Wow! Imagine. Man, I made that joke so many times. Go have a listen before it's sold out. Never yeah, sold out. Why don't we do that? We limit it. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you? Because <laughs> well, then you can try. <laughs> you go viral, it becomes it, and you say it costs a euro per listen. Yeah, now you pay. Hey, it's what the guy <laughs> did. Pay, yeah? <laughs> hey, it's what the guy did with uh, the Wu Tang album. He yeah, only exactly. made one copy. Yeah, yeah. genius. It's basically In NFTs. Hey, where did NFTs go, huh, guys? That's Come the on. thing. Dude, yeah. Where did they go? I can tell you where NFTs go, but not in this episode. <laughs> oh no. shit! They're everywhere. Uh oh. Uh oh. I'll see you guys next week. Bye.